0: Hey y'all, Sarah here. Before we get to today's episode, and it is a very cool episode of the show, I'm excited for y'all to listen to it. But before we do that, um, Gabrielle, Zach, and I all wanted to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Here in the U.S. and um, we just wanted to be very clear about what we think about that, which is that restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision also uh, potentially opens the door to the loss of other rights that should be essential in a free society. Uh, This is all very overwhelming, (laughs) but uh, if you want to learn more about what you can do to help, some folks uh, have put together a wonderful set of resources over at choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. And we here at No Bad Ideas encourage you to spread the word speak up and please take care of each other okay here is the show
1: this podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language they're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast listener discretion is advised To No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina, and I am your first Bad Ideas host.
0: My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad
1: Ideas host. And my name is Zach Valenti, your third Bad Ideas host. And we are joined today by not only a special guest star, but by a returning
2: special guest star. All the way back in episode 35, we had them on the show for an episode filled with lions and fast vehicles and all kinds of terrible, terrible ideas. It is a fan favorite and definitely one of ours. They are the creator of queer kids stuff and many another thing. It's Linz Aimer. How are you doing?
3: Hello. I am doing all right, despite the world crumbling around us.
0: All right is pretty good adjusting, adjusting on the scale
2: of the world falling down around us. Exactly. Today
3: is a good day in particular. So we're, 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 we've are we're we got that going for us.
2: Excellent. I feel that we've said a lot during the past couple of years, like, we're doing okay grading on the pandemic curve. You know, grading on the pandemic curve, you know, still have a home, doing all right, not incredibly yeah. ill. In every other way, you know, extremely anxious about the state of the world and about the state of us in the world. But in general, doing all right, doing all right.
3: Yep. 100% agree with all of that. <laughs>
2: excellent. Excellent. Linz, just in case anyone is listening and they're not familiar with your work, do you want to give us kind of the like 30 second overview about what you do and why you are so awesome?
3: Well, sure. I You probably know me from a web series I started in 2016 on YouTube called Queer Kid Stuff. Me and my best-stuffed friend, Teddy, talk about basically, like, queer theory, but, like, for preschoolers in, like, a Mr. Rogers vein. So that's—I make queer stuff for kids and their families, basically, um, through a lot of different things that we'll probably talk through at the end of the episode. And you have a new thing that you're making for queer kids and their families. I do have a new thing that I— Ask people to help me plug, and then I forget to plug it. Um, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just started uh, my own podcast for grownups this time, um, and kids have been listening to it too. It's called Rainbow Parenting, and it's a queer and gender affirming kind of parenting education caregiving podcast, um, and is one of the first things we're making for kind of like adults. We make most of our stuff for kids and for young folks, but we're we're trying to reach out to the you know grown up people this time and uh that's been that's been fun
2: awesome awesome well we're definitely very excited about the fact that you're making all of that and very excited to talk about it a little bit more in the back half of the show but we've got some work to do before we do all of that let's get to it because this is no bad ideas the show where we find some really really bad ideas that people had and then try to figure out if we had to pitch this as a movie based on that those bad ideas or possibly as a novel or a comic book or a television show, how would we do that? What is kind of like the good story buried in these bad ideas? I right. got a little bit of a challenge for all of you. I think okay. I got um since we're all grizzled veterans of no bad ideas here, I thought <laughs> uh, I would bring something a little bit a little bit off the beaten path. And this comes to us courtesy of friend of the show and uh, previous guest star, Christian Kelly Madeira, who sent this to me. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. And then I wanted to share to inflict this upon all of you to see how you might turn this into a good story. Are we all ready to do this?
3: Yeah. Sounds great. I'm ready.
2: Let's do it. All right. So this is from... Uh, our favorite place in Reddit, the Am I the Asshole subreddit. And the slightly modified headline, to not give away the punchline, is Am I the Asshole for refusing to talk to my boyfriend because he won't stop using a certain phrase? That's where we're starting.
0: I mean, it really depends on the phrase, so I'm, I'm curious. This yeah. is...
1: Master class in suspense.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's get there. Let's get there.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. So digging into
2: the story itself, me and my boyfriend were on mm-hmm. holiday in Tenerife a few months ago. We were in an all-inclusive resort and were standing in one of the shops in the lobby where you can buy extra snacks and stuff. Delightful. A very posh British man walked in with his 12-year-old son and they were looking around the shop. They went over to where the crisps were, and the boy seemed very interested in the Pringles. The father then asked him in a very cutesy, possibly over the top for his age voice, do you want some Pwingies for the room? Yes, he called the Pringles Pwingies. Me and my boyfriend found this quite funny, The first few days were fine. We were both (laughs) joking about it and kept repeating it to Mm. one another as it was a funny way to refer Mm -mm. to Sprinkles, especially as the man was talking to his son like he was a baby. This was at the start of our two week holiday. He did not stop saying, do you want some poingies for the room? For the whole two weeks, we were on holiday. He would literally say it at least once a minute. He would even torment me by starting a sentence completely unrelated to it, then finishing with, Do you want some poingies for the room? As some sort of sick punchline. It's now been over three months since we've returned. Yikes! And he will not stop saying, Do you want some poingies for the room? It is driving me insane. I have begged him to stop, but he honestly thinks I am just playing along with his joke. Oh. (laughs) I can't have a serious conversation with him because he always manages to slip in. Do you want some (laughs) quingis for the room? This is a five year long relationship. And it was absolutely fine up until this point. Mm -hmm. This is the man I wanted, now in past tense, to spend the rest of my life with. But now I don't even want to see him because I'm afraid of when he will say, do you want some poingies for the room? I am now refusing to (laughs) talk to him unless he stops. I am honestly afraid that he will say he's going to stop,
1: but then just carry on. Mm -hmm. Am I blowing this out of proportion? Am I the asshole? I need some clarification. Did did she actually ask?
2: Yes, yes. She has made it clear that she finds this annoying. But uh, let me just like get the actual quote. I have begged him to stop, but he honestly thinks I am just playing along with his joke. Oh,
1: no.
3: He thinks that the asking is part of his bit.
2: Yes, correct that it is just kind of like I am amplifying the comedy of the Pwingies mm. bit.
0: I will say the article does a phenomenal job of sort of uh, dramatizing this problem because I was flinching at the repetition of the phrase by the end I know. of the post. I
2: hated myself a little bit by the end of it, given how many times I had to say the p word.
0: Yeah, I, I can I can see how this coming up multiple times a day would be a very particular form of torture.
2: Sometimes multiple times a minute. It was specified that he does that he did it for at least once a minute during the two week holiday.
1: Get that timer started. I was very curious where this was going to go because it could have gone in a lot of ways. It did not go to the bigoted place I expected. Yeah, there Which you go. Is great.
2: Absolutely. So yep. good job, um, dude. The 10 minute timer is now running and the unredacted <laughs> headline is am I the asshole for refusing to talk to my boyfriend because he won't stop using the phrase. Do you want some poingies for the room?
1: Poingies. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so first... brought to you oh. by sponsored content from Pringles. That's it. Just <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, do you something?
3: No, I I, first of all, having like because, like, you know, all these like big companies are like, oh, I can make like a movie out of this like Rubik's Cube toy. So, like, 100% Mm -hmm. a Pringles movie. One, yeah, that first idea in the bucket.
1: (laughs) They did the fucking Angry Birds, they did
3: the Angry Birds, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. they did Lego, yeah, yeah, Battleship. I are trying to do a rubik's cube movie that which is wild yeah no yeah oh
1: god michael bay sit down
3: (laughs) my brain on these kinds of things first goes to genre and we went from sitcom to like drama Mm -hmm. to like family drama to horror movie so that's yeah yes
0: trajectory this took for me of like act one act two act three done
2: like the psychological thriller yeah
0: <laughs> yeah my mind went almost to like a call of cthulhu place of like <laughs> the, it is the phrase do you want some poingies for the room the one thing that is sort of inscribing our reality mm. against intrusion from extra planar forces mm. so this person this now a van helsing like character has to say it all the time wow. but he's ruining his relationships
2: but can he not explain it i was
0: like trying to justify it mm.
2: can he not kind of just like give orientation of look there's a good reason why i need to keep saying this phrase over and over again i promise uh, like, that's part of the curse. Like, he can't explain it. He just kind of right, needs right, to right. keep saying it.
0: Or, you know, can't explain it, but it's so ridiculous that <laughs> his significant other sort of feels like it's an escalation of the bit. I don't know.
2: No, you're right. That's better. If, like, people understand that there's a good reason, but they're still like, like, I can't stand this anymore. I cannot hear. Do you want some poingies for the room one more time? Uh, if only the late Gilbert Gottfried was still alive. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. my Lord. R.I.P. It also
3: brings up, um, like, if the guy from Too Many Cooks just, like, popped (laughs) up, and that was the phrase.
1: (laughs) Are you talking about that, like, viral video sensation?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. What
1: a great cut. But instead
3: of... Instead of too many cooks,
0: it's, do you want some poingies? I mean, that's, that's a great horror short. And I guess like the question for us is, do we want to do something that is a little bit more psychological horror, which I think then would be from the perspective of the poster, the, the person mm-hmm. who um, mm-hmm. put this on Reddit, you know, if we go more cosmic horror, then I think the sad, benighted man saying this <laughs> is, is our hero, but we can sort of have a, a, you know, we can choose a particular flavor of horror to go with.
3: I think it's the kind of horror where you like don't know you're in a horror at the beginning and it just becomes like more that. and more grin awful and like the like cringe like escalated as the story went on. And like she didn't re like it was a funny bit to her in the beginning. And then like the audience comes along with us for the ride of like, oh, yeah. oh no, this is not it reaches like that. It's not funny point, And then yeah. goes like way farther than that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And it could even be like, you know, not to to steal the structure of Get Out entirely, but like (laughs) they go to this tropical vacation. There are certain people who are weird. The significant other at a certain point starts behaving in the same weird way. And then it's like the protagonist is uncovering sort of how Mm. this was done to them and sort of what the nefarious schemes of like the people at the hotel are or the people on the island are. So I do like it being, you know, an island so that there's no real escape. There's something in the Pringles.
2: <laughs> you are putting your finger on an interesting thing about the original story, Sarah, which is that the significant other is not the originator of the do you want some twingies phrase. Mm-hmm. Like it got passed on to them by another person. It follows style. Um, that's funny, you know, maybe this is something that has been going on, like, you know, even before them.
0: Right. Like that's classic, like ghost possession. And then it it passes from one host Mm. to another.
1: So are we telling the story from the perspective of the Puenge's expression that's infecting people (laughs) through time? (laughs) Like...
2: (laughs) It's like a red violin, but like following this horrible phrase from person to person.
0: That's right. That's right. No, I kind of think we should stick with someone who doesn't realize, like Lynn says, that they're in a horror movie and then it slowly becomes apparent that they are very much in a horror situation, but one in which the people around them are talking in an infantilizing mm-hmm. manner and that has some sort
1: of mystical, right. magical power thing. Cute baby talk gone wrong. Yeah. But
2: they but then, but then it also is like, they get to the resort, somebody says that phrase, it's funny, and then like a hurricane appears. So they're like trapped there, yeah, like they exactly. can't leave. Like it is mm. not an option to kind of be like, all mm. right, I'm breaking up with my boyfriend and getting a flight back to, mm-hmm wherever i'm from yeah, there are no like, flights are, for the rest of the week uh, yes they are physically yeah. stuck there i think that's important that they be absolutely the
0: and that they kind of want <laughs> at the start to stay in the hotel and then end of the second act beginning of the third act the protagonist can try and like escape the hotel right. and try and find safety somewhere else on the island but there's no safety
1: none to be had
0: <laughs> yeah and i guess the other thing to work out is the protagonist like a final girl and you know we'll go through this traumatic experience but come out the other side of it or is this the the horror Mm. movie where the protagonist ends up becoming part of the poingy's hive mind or whatever (laughs) is
2: going on (laughs) right like i think that 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 is also the question of like is this kind of a like alien virus that is like trying to take over human bodies Mm, by using this phrase as a way to propagate itself or something or is it just kind of a more benign just sticking to the real story of just um the suspense of how long can this man go on saying this phrase before somebody acts murders him. I mean, there's also that. Yeah. I like the idea, Sarah, of kind of like slowly over time, everyone at the resort, except her, starts to succumb to this illness. Like at first it's just the boyfriend, and then it's like the maitre d' at the restaurant that says it. Mm-hmm. And then the bellhop that helped them with their bags. The nice couples thing in the room next to them and so on and so forth. Slowly but surely, they all get swept up in the
1: tide. Is the climax of it, that like face from the thing of the Pringles can, like appears... <laughs> In the night,
0: Zach. I think you've stumbled onto something. We need a dream sequence, <laughs> yeah,
1: right? Right, right, right. Dream sequence. This is like Freddy Krueger, it's like real life.
0: Yeah, no, this if enough people say it, the Pringles man comes to life, mm. like the Kool
1: Aid man, mm. but creepier.
0: Yeah, and and that because that character isn't like super anthropomorphized, yeah. it is normally just a face on the can. That would be really creepy. Are you have about I'm 20 seconds
2: left. What is this called? Just (laughs) wingies.
1: Yeah, I think, I think. You
0: could call it like mini bar or something if they're in in the hotel room or something. Uh,
2: Sure, 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 sure. All right, well, that is time. Well done dealing with that very esoteric challenge what a fucking idea that's wild again i have to thank and blame christian kelly madeira for Uh, sending that my way
0: um well i have something that is not quite as esoteric as that Uh, uh
2: just before you move on sarah just in case anyone was wondering the comments section on that am i the asshole post overwhelmingly came on down on the side of you are not the asshole break up with that man oh my god like Everyone was on the side of the original poster, I think, as well they deserve to be.
0: Yes. And spoilers, I, I, I have a feeling you might have a similar reaction to the poster of this I know article this one from Reddit that I have for you. It is from r slash legal advice. I saw this one the other day. It's good. Okay. Um, so not Am I the Asshole for once. And I'm also going to hold off on reading the title Okay. Uh, because I think this, this unfolds nicely. So the poster writes... I operate a small fruit farm in France that specializes in rare and luxury oranges and other citrus fruits.
2: Okay, already a little bit weird, but okay. Already a little bit weird. Like a little uncanny.
0: (laughs) These are produced in very, all caps, very small numbers, and are sold for very high prices to private buyers, restaurants, and upmarket hotels. About two to three months ago, about 15% of my crop had been sliced, squashed, crushed, and left to rot on the ground. Oh, no. I liaised with Mm -hmm. local police at the time, but no one knew what had happened. We suspected Uh. that it was local vandals or perhaps migrants traveling north searching for some food. Hmm. If the latter was the case, I wouldn't have begrudged them taking some. So, not an asshole. Okay, great. This morning, I was linked to a video on TikTok. Oh, no. Showing an American woman on my farm picking a (laughs) citrus fruit off of the tree, cutting it open and crushing it in her hands so the juices flowed out. What?
1: Why? Just like onto the ground? Yep, just to get that shot, baby. For the lulls?
2: There's something about it being specifically an American woman that Mm -hmm. is, like, I feel how Mm -hmm. that is offensive to this French poster, but all right, continue.
0: Yeah. Upon investigation, there are approximately four accounts posting similar content from my farm.
1: No oh, Wow. It's a genre.
0: <laughs> it appears that they had been repeatedly squeezing my fruits, trying to get the perfect shot mm. as a girl can be seen in the background <laughs> of one of the videos squeezing a fruit before lowering her camera and picking another from the tree. Then the poster says, Without getting into specific numbers, I have suffered thousands of euros in lost product of and thousands more from breaching mm. contracts with the hotels re the supply yeah. of fruit. Oh, no. So the mm. legal advice this French farmer is seeking. Can I, as a European, prosecute American citizens for damages? I have their identities from their TikTok accounts. Yeah,
2: right. So like, you know, these people have not been subtle in leaving <laughs> no. no trail back to them. <laughs>
0: Lovely gap here. Not a lot of security protocol.
2: right, 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 right. Oh, my. Oh my.
0: So, so this is the idea Mm. I have for you TikTok trends terrorizing farmers.
2: I can't tell. If squeeze my fruits is a horrible title for whatever the story that comes out of this is, or if it's like so wrong that it kind of comes all the way back around to just being perfect,
1: um, I think like juice worth the, like worth the squeeze or something, yeah, you know, there's ah, that expression. Sure, sure, Timer's sure. is gone, so you okay. can,
2: uh, you can. Right, mold we're us. really putting the uh, court, the the cart in front of the horse yes. here. let's. Do the work here.
1: So I think the, the answer to her question may be a good jumping off point because I believe the answer is no, you're going to have a hell of a time getting those Americans in that courtroom. So while I think prosecution may be off the table, I think. Persecution may be fair game.
0: <laughs> That's the tagline on the
2: poster. If prosecution's <laughs> off the table.
1: <laughs> hunting season.
2: Say more. Do you mean like actually hunting them? Do you mean like flame wars online? Like, kind of. What are you thinking, there, Zach?
1: Technically, you can squeeze a person.
0: Technically, you can. There are juices. <laughs> I'm
1: not saying you should. Mm, nope.
2: I'm I'm out. I'm out, guys. <laughs> Bye. I'm out of here. I, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not.
0: But- I see
3: what you're saying, Zach, and I and I think where my brain is going is like a version of like catfish, like hmm. that kind of like sleuthing, like reality TV show, uh-huh. but like about TikTok trends and like who like perpetrated a TikTok trend on someone else and like rigged havoc.
2: Okay, okay, I like that. I like that. That one could even be like a series. Like it could be sort of like the in- a series based on the investigator mm-hmm. that is yeah. trying to help people that have been hurt by indiscriminate Mm -hmm. tiktok trends
0: (laughs) now is this a doover or is this someone who's (laughs) never been able to blow up on tiktok and wants to burn it all down now ding 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 Mm -hmm. that one
3: executive Mm -hmm.
2: produced by shonda rhimes um No, but I think that that is, I think that is probably right. Like it is a frustrated wannabe influencer Mm -hmm. that now wants to be known as the woman that takes down Mm -hmm. TikTok. Unfortunately, it a little bit writes itself because it's almost like the structure of like a Supreme Court decision of like they're kind of sitting around waiting for something that can be the catalyst, like waiting for someone that is like, who has been hurt by a TikTok challenge? Who has kind of been like put in the line? A fire without any provocation on their part, and then they see this poor orange farmer, and they're like, "There we go. These idiots did not know that they were crushing two thousand euro oranges each." You know? Mm,
3: Yes, I think that think that like there can Mm -hmm. be like innocuous stuff Mm -hmm. too. Of like someone did like Lizzo's TikTok dance and like knocked over their vase at like a party or something, and they have like no idea who it was, and then it's like I think like Uh it doesn't have to just Mm -hmm. be like actively destructive tiktok trends it can be stuff that like happens because of
0: tiktok trends no and then it's funny because you can have like really really mundane damages but like an incredibly robust you know csi like crime investigation of it and play into that yes
2: and then like this investigator character they're a bit like dark winged duck. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about like, are they helping people? Are they hurting people? They're just in it for the notoriety. They're just in it for, can I get, you know? They want that clout. Yeah. And sometimes (laughs) it is like someone was genuinely hurt. And sometimes it's just like, "Mm, no, this is, A little bit of a clusterfuck and there's no one in the right and there's nobody in the wrong. Let me dive in there and see how I can make it worse.
3: And the thing there is that it's also like a clout Uh chaser trying to nail other clout chasers because they're all people who are trying to do TikTok
2: trends. Totally, totally. I have so many questions though about like, I'm sorry, this is now like getting us back to your original idea rather than the story that is nicely coming together. (laughs) But. What is this trend? Is there an orange crushing trend on TikTok? Like what? I don't know. Maybe they were just
0: trying to like get the perfect shot. Because this is a thing that I think about TikTok all the time of like some of these TikToks are incredibly well constructed and you must have to do shots over and over and over again to get them perfect. Right. right. So like they just for whatever reason needed a shot of like squeezing mm. an orange so that the juices flow perfectly out from between your fingers. And it took them like twenty tries to get it. And right. this this man was the victim of All it. All right. Yeah, and well. on one farm, it seems strange to just like target
3: one small fruit farm in France. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I don't think I think I feel like four posters is not quite a TikTok trend yet.
2: Sure, sure. I mean, we mm. could
0: blow it up and make it a trend. And suddenly there are like 2000 people trying to get to this farmer's land.
2: But there has to be something about it being like these particular oranges. <laughs> they just right. like crumple in this like really visually pleasing way or something.
1: I think it can be as stupid. I think you're you're overestimating overthinking and overthinking the necessary intelligence of the general audience and creators on TikTok I think uh-huh. it can literally just be like inane memes of just like juice is funny, just like people find it funny. So, so, so they start doing yeah. it around the world and uh-huh. it gets to the point that like even big business like mm-hmm. Tropicana Farms are like affected and so the groundswell oh of support for a legal like the first mm-hmm. sort of uh, class well, action, action against <laughs> a major social media platform 100%. Who's in the mood for a court movie? Yeah, like inevitably it turns
2: into kind of, you know, a court movie. Um, And this is kind of the equivalent of like a TikTok. I don't Mm. know if it's an ambulance chaser, but yeah, like a really skeezy lawyer.
3: The other direction it could go in is like supply chain issues and like... Oh sure, TikTok uh-huh. like actually like getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh, until it like collapses society. I don't need it could it. Be like a old old dystopian I don't need it kind of. What's a... the
1: What's the second domino after the juice squeezing <laughs> um, takes hold that uh, on our way to world destruction?
0: Everyone gets scurvy. Oh,
3: should shit.
0: probably be in there. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It can be a pirate TikTok trend and tie ah, into it starts with pirate
3: fandom. And then we move to the to the fruit juicing and restaurants and mm-hmm. grocery stores, and it's scurvy. And what yeah. happens when you get scurvy? And so on. I don't remember. Not good. Among things. other
1: things, I think you lose your teeth.
3: Mm. So then we basically
0: end up at zombies.
2: More or, yeah. or less, yeah. Like actually, Wild. yeah. Like this, maybe how the zombie apocalypse actually starts.
0: I love this because it can be like this sunny, bucolic, pastoral setting, and we're going to end it with zombies. That's phenomenal. We're really going for horror today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking this up. And yeah, scurvy, a disease characterized by swollen, Ooh, bleeding gums in the opening yeah. of previously healed wounds. Mm. That sounds pretty zombie-esque to me. <laughs>
1: Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Delicious.
2: Mm. scurvy just Mm -hmm. just like scurvy by itself not a bad title for this like i don't know like there's something about like that word that suggests the right mix of like scummy hustle involved in the person that is doing this
0: the scurvy challenge Mm.
2: oh oh no I hate it. I really, really hate it. Yeah. And I guess like it might be sort of like, you know, we really wanted to blow it up. It might be something where it's like, this is like the one remaining orange farm that can like produce things. And every orange is very important for like the welfare of people. And these drunk American exchange students are just going up and being like, look how bad I could crush this one. Crunch. It
0: all comes down to drunk American exchange students, I think.
2: As so many horror stories so often do, don't they?
0: Um, That's time, y'all. You did a great job completely blowing up this nascent TikTok trend.
2: I'm I'm exhausted just from these two stories. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: As with much about TikTok, my reaction is... Have we tried burning it with fire?
3: Trans
0: talk is pretty is pretty nice, for the most part. <laughs> there are great parts of TikTok, this is not one of them.
2: All right, well, we're going to go and um, up our TikTok education game, um, but we'll be right back with our special guest star to talk a little bit about their work in the second half of our show. So stay tuned and we'll be right back after these quick messages.
1: Hello there, Zach Valenti, jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions, as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to NoBadIdeasPodcast.com slash support. Once more, that's com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. And welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the show, where we get to talk to our lovely guest about all things creativity. And I guess for starters, Linz, since you're back on the show once again, how have you been? <laughs> What's new? And just like, yeah, if you could sort kind of fill us in on, on I think, mostly this, this new project and what themes have sort of unearthed themselves or asserted themselves upon you in its undertaking.
2: Yeah, we were talking about uh, before the start of this before we started recording. Last time we had you on, it was episode thirty five. That was a pandemic and change ago. Uh, so it's been it's been a minute.
3: It has been a minute. A lot has changed. Um, I got married. I own a
2: Congratulations. house now. There are lots. There are some.
0: That's a good thing. That's changed. Very good things.
3: Um, I did a lot of like you know, just working on my writing and now just finished the manuscript and it got accepted from my publisher, which is very exciting writing a book is very difficult <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering um that's Hell like yeah. a that's a parenting book that is what uh, led to the idea for the podcast rainbow parenting Hell
0: hey. Yes. Hey. so
3: those are kind of intertwined um i also i think this is just <laughs> about to get announced but i am also working on a picture book which is pretty cool I've been moving into, like, the TV writing and, like, Hollywood space. So I've been writing episodes of TV for, like, preschool. And that's been really fun. Amazing.
2: Nice, nice. So you're doing it all.
3: Doing, trying to do all the things. Th- and I think we're
2: like one Broadway musical away from creator bingo.
3: EGOT's on my bucket list. Nice,
2: nice, nice. <laughs> good, 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 good.
3: Queer, trans, Mr. Rogers is going to be the one. If
2: anyone could <laughs> yes. do it.
3: A Mr. Rogers, like, legacy generation is what we need right now. Like, what else is going to bring us out of this, like, awful funk that the world is in? But, like, people who are trying to raise the next generation in a better way to like change the future and like the trajectory of mankind humankind and like just making the world a better place and like teaching people empathy and kindness for all people and like also talking own lived experiences of like you know being marginalized etc so i don't know i think that I think that it actually is kind of a way to make things
2: better, hopefully. Is that not what we need right now? And I say that very genuinely, though. We
0: talk about just have talked about on the show and, and also just amongst ourselves, how how writing and storytelling is an empathy machine. And I'm curious, like, what are the different settings on that machine when you're writing for kids versus now writing for parents?
3: You know, it's it's very interesting because the podcast is like meant to be consumed by adults but I've actually I've gotten feedback that like grown-ups are listening to it with their kids Hmm. not necessarily like the preschool age that like I typically kind of target but like in like the eight and up I can like kind of understand these concepts a little bit better um and like can be on the same level because like I'm not like trying to dumb anything down I'm trying to and this is what I say about all of my work is that I'm trying to simplify things to their kind of like core they're like most core universal concepts so when I'm talking about gender I'm talking about that just like feeling you have inside of you and like how you want to express it and like everyone knows that because that is a Part of the human experience, no matter if you're like an infant or you're like 95. Um, everyone, every human has some feeling. And I think that like it's all about just those, like, building blocks of, like, what are these things and how do we all experience them? How do I experience them? How do you experience them? And how can we communicate them? Mm -hmm. And the only difference versus the kids' work is that, like, I'm just kind of, like, assuming that you have more of those building blocks in place when you're a grown-up and, like, you have context for these ideas. And that doesn't mean that you don't need to be, like, retaught some of them. That's important, too. But, like, you at least have, like, a basic understanding of, like, this is how the world works and this is how queer people are perceived and like how how like the queer and trans community are seen and and what we know about them and like what is in the cultural discourse like those are all like assumptions i'm going to make about an adult audience versus like a kid audience like i'm not gonna assume any of those things i'm not gonna assume anything at all i'm gonna assume that we're starting from brick one and so i just kind of like with adults i kind of have to like choose the amount of bricks people have already built in their brain. And like, sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. And like, if I'm wrong, you got to kind of like maybe catch up or like start at like this episode instead of this episode. Right. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about the difference between those. It's just about kind of like what you have in your arsenal already. Right, it right, right. Sense. Right.
2: And it makes sense to me that even if it is a more aimed at adults than your previous work, that people would be exploring that material with their kids, just because I know that, and I've spoken about this with a lot of people in our generation of like, I feel that most people kind of our ages are like, well, I grew up with my understanding of these matters 1.0 and it sucked. And it was so awful, and like just kind of like all those bricks were like misaligned and were in all the wrong places. And some of those bricks were put there by like people that had like very bad agendas, and I don't even know how they got there. And now we're in like understanding like 4.0, and it's like a work in <laughs> progress, and we think that we're doing better. And while I don't think that a lot of those people are like, well, we figured it out now, so let's pass it down to our kids now that we know what everything that needed to get figured out is. I think that there is actually sort of a lot of concern and a lot of kind of energy spent amongst um, our generation thinking about, well, how do we do better for the next generation? Kind of how do we give like their understanding 1.0? How do we make that one a lot stronger and a lot better and a lot more robust than the like shitty version that we had, that then we had to spend some time kind of like tearing out. And I know more people that have a lot of questions about that than people that they have any kind of answers to that. Um, so I kind of completely understand the impulse that a lot of people would have when approaching your work, no matter who it is aimed at, to kind of going like this is something that is as much an intergenerational thing that I want to share with kind of the people underneath me as it is something that is for me to consume.
0: Yeah. Mm,
3: Yeah, that's a really smart point. Cause I think that like a lot of what I'm trying to do is also like demystify like the learning process Mm -hmm. and like show adults that like you don't have to be this like all knowing parental figure. Like you can like not know everything and you can also be transparent about not knowing everything with your kid and like show them that you're human and that like you can be wrong and you can make mistakes and like
2: and you're still figuring things out yeah
3: exactly exactly and like also what an opportunity for like a bonding moment Yeah, like to learn something with your child i think i mean like isn't that like the whole like you know dad with the train set we're gonna put this train together like it's the same thing
2: Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. So how has kind of the jump from YouTube into the podcast space been? Like, have you been sort of like approaching the material differently, just kind of in that like going from visual and audio to just audio Mm -hmm. mindset?
3: Yeah, I did. So I did kind of like a 2020 project podcast where I interviewed. It was called uh, it still exists and and I think maybe it's going to get a reboot at hey. some point um it's called Activist You and I interviewed kid and youth activists and it was it was awesome i it was a pain in the butt to produce but um <laughs> but w- w- was a great project and i'm really I- i'm very proud of what we came up with with that i would say that the jump wasn't too hard and i would say that like it's just podcasting is a lot easier. Like Mm. you just kind of get to, you know, have an idea and like chat about it with like a cool person. And I've become a much better interviewer over the time. But like with Queer Kid stuff, like it was like, I had to have a budget. I had to have a set. Like I had to, you know, come, I had to write the whole script to like, I had, it just like, it was so much Get all the coverage
2: of everything that you needed for every second of it.
3: Yeah. As a creator, the effort was just really, really high on that. And I love making queer kid stuff and like i there was a lot about that was hard for sure but like and i would love to reboot it and i'm like trying to figure out how to make that happen yeah. but i need more support and like this is something i've learned about myself is that like i have so much respect for editors i hate editing so much i hate it i despise it my adhd brain <laughs> cannot handle it and that's just something i've learned about myself is that like i am capable of doing that. I am capable of like fully producing like a huge show or whatever. Like I like I'm capable of these things. Do I want to do them? Do they feed me as a creative person? Are there things that I enjoy doing? No. So I think that uh, a lot of like the past couple of years has been like understanding that and then shifting to figure out, like, okay, how can I get the support that I need to create the thing that I want to make? And that is a getting people on board with you and getting people to give you money is a process that takes a long time and you have mm. to have people. Ugh, gosh, it's just, yeah. I mean, in every industry, oh, yeah. it's different too. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like in every industry, you have to go through a different pathway in order to make that happen. I think I've become very good at understanding how to find the people who will be like my guides through each industry rather than having to kind of navigate them all on my own and like i don't go i go like deeper in certain spaces like i'm definitely moving like deeper into the tv film space because that's kind of where my like primary interest is for a lot of reasons but like i have like dipped my toe in publishing and i'm like i do not want to permanently be in that space or i like i don't want to like deep i do not want to be a novelist <laughs> like that is just something that like writing long form is hard for me and like sure. i will i will pump out picture books till the day i die like that sounds great but like i will let my agent and i will let my editor like deal with the industry stuff that like i can stay very far away from whereas like i want to be a little bit more involved in the tv film stuff and figuring yeah. out like my relationships with the different kind of like industries and wh- what kind of control I want to have because like with podcasting like that's all that's it's all me and like and the kind of like small business that I've been running and like what I do in terms of like my work is there's there's kind of like the internal like preaching to the choir space of like queer kid stuff and like the newsletter we have the podcast which is finding his audience like all this stuff and then the other side is like the mm-hmm. hard kind of like advocacy systems work of like okay i'm gonna take my i'm gonna take my stuff and i'm gonna just like push hard into these spaces that are pretty actively hostile to like queer and trans stories for kids and i'm gonna like with all of my might like slash and and get my way through there and like that is just like a lot more effort and like that's what i need to be putting my energy into and i need to delegate all of this other stuff out so i can be moving into all these spaces um But it's a
0: lot. It's a lot.
2: Yeah, like I I, I felt like my shoulders tensing, just like hearing you describe (laughs) all of that.
0: To Take us in back in maybe a less, we can let our shoulders down a minute. I'm curious about like you saying that that being a podcaster has made you better at interviews. And I'm always fascinated Mm -hmm. by like how people approach interviews, like how conscious, unconscious is that process for you? And is it just like Mm. repetition that has made it better? Or do you approach asking questions of cool people differently now? Um,
3: That's a good question. I don't plan my questions as much as I used to. That's something that's shifted a little bit. I think just like following my curiosity has been important um, in like figuring that out. And also like being willing to share myself in an interview and like looking at at especially the podcast, Mm -hmm. I I think less so for Activist you because that like I specifically wanted that to be like me interviewing a kid as a way to like give that kid or youth activist legitimacy um, because I think that. That was like a really big part of that show is like giving and a platform for these kids. And so I like wasn't trying I was trying to lift them up and I was trying to step back a little bit um, from my from myself and my work. But with Rainbow Parenting, it feels more like a community project and it feels more like a conversation. And so I'm just kind of trying to like put up like a topic, put up like what this person specializes in and like come to it from my vantage point. And just like have a conversation with them because this is a space that doesn't have a lot of space (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. in the world. And like I had like the episode that we just put up um, on Monday was with Kyle Lukoff, who's an award-winning um, trans picture book author, and he wrote "When Aiden Became a Brother," which is a fantastic, fantastic picture book. It's one of my favorites that I bring around to like every library and school gig that I do. And um, we've kind of become friendly from my work, and and I've had him do some things with me, and and all of that. And I just like, when has there ever been a like hour-long conversation in? the digital sphere that you can access between two trans kids book authors and like kids media makers and like and so I'm just kind of like I don't really need to we can speak to a topic but like but like that's just to couch like that person's and like my like our expertise overlap and like it's just about sharing knowledge at this point and like sure I'm not trying to be particularly like prescriptive in the podcast. That's kind of what the book is for. This is about like bringing people into this like activist community space and like learning from this movement that's been going on like on, on the grassroots level for a long, long time, but just hasn't had a lot of spotlight because I, I mean, like from personal experience, the spotlight is dangerous for for people doing this work, and like you see that happening on a national stage right now, and I think it's important to hear from the people who have been doing this work for a long time, and I hope that like I can be a conduit for good conversations, but also like kind of know what I'm talking about at this point and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and think I like know what questions to ask, just like from my personal experience. so yeah, I'm more interested in just like chatting with people that's awesome yeah i don't know if that makes me a good interviewer but i think i hope it makes the co- the podcast <laughs> interesting at the very least
2: <laughs> i think it at least makes you a conscientious interviewer which i think is very important yeah so out of all these things that you are tackling out of the world of books and youtube and podcasts and film and television which is the one that you're the most excited to get back to work on right now like which is the one that is the most calling to you <sighs>
3: Oh man, that's a good question. I have a full-length screenplay that um is an animated family musical that is the script that got me my manager because it helped me like I like won like was a finalist in a competition and like they like connect me with managers and stuff. Um, that's how that works if people wonder. <laughs> um, and it is just like the thing that I want to make happen. Amazing. So deeply in like my soul and i have no idea when the world will be ready for it because it's a it's a historical piece like historical fiction um set in new york in the early 1900s so like in 1910 ish um with a jewish trans protagonist um it's a musical and um uh and it's set around the construction of the Empire State Building. And it is just this like epic, epic piece that I feel like just has it's like my love I mean, I grew up in New York City. Um so it's my like kind of like love letter to my hometown. Um and like it's it's basically like a kind of like a trans like self discovery journey and like a love story. It's like it's like all of those things like as a Disney movie. And I am just so, so proud of it. And it was also, like, the first thing that I felt like I've gotten good at screenwriting. Like, once I kind of, like, got to, like, the current draft that it's at now, I was like, okay, I've, like, kind of figured out how to be my, like, my voice as a writer, especially in screenwriting, which is so particular. And I think, like, I just think it's good. Uh, And I think people would like it. And it's just got so much of my soul in it. And we have, we've been like slowly trying to figure out how to make that happen. But like, I think the world just kind of needs to catch up. Um, and animation show just like takes forever. And I'm like, this is my first thing that I, exactly. And I'm just kind of like, this is the first thing I really, really wrote. But also like, it's kind of like a magnum opus. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, okay, maybe this like needs, needs to be later in my career. But uh, yeah, man, if that's going to happen one day, I, I really, <laughs> really hope it does
2: well if there are any movie execs uh eccentric millionaires or Mm. other such folks listening to the show (laughs) um and they're like listening to that and like us Mm -hmm. are hearing that voice in their heart saying we gotta Mm. make this happen let's go uh send us an email we'll connect you it'll be great uh
3: my people will talk to your people just let me know
2: exactly yep (laughs) yep yep we'll set up the whole thing
3: just need a couple mil
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, if newsies can happen.
2: All righty. Well, uh, I think that that is about all the time that we have for this episode of No Bad Ideas. Um, but, Linz, thank you so much for coming back and for sharing your very, very, very good ideas uh, with us on this show. Um if people wanna see more of your work, uh, what's the place to do it? Where should they go?
3: Yeah. Um. So I, my personal handles are Lyndz Aimer, L i n d z a m e r. That's me on Twitter and Instagram. But if you wanna check out my work, it's all over at Queer Kids Stuff. Um. And y'all should uh s- subscribe to our weekly newsletter. That is like where the goods are. That's where everything's happening. Um. And the podcast is Rainbow Parenting, and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Nice, amazing. We highly recommend it. And Linz, thank you so much for being on the show. We're gonna have you back sometime (laughs) soon. Let's have it be a shorter (laughs) gap between your guest appearances.
0: And and not another pandemic. Let's do that. (laughs) Yeah, let's skip that part.
1: This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our Idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rina Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by State Shirt and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love.